Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. Today we're starting a mini-series where we're going to look at each NHL team by division, starting with the Pacific. So if you've missed any of our previous episodes, we kind of talk about our contract projection model and run through the uh, forward, defenseman, and goalie classes of unrestricted free agents that are available. We appreciate you subscribing to this podcast. It's available on all your major podcast platforms, following us on Twitter at MaxTermPod, following our analytic account at AFP Analytics, where our contract projections are also pinned to that Twitter feed. In this uh, episode, any ads or anything that might appear are not necessarily products that James and I endorse, and also know that these are our opinions, not necessarily any inside information we're hearing about players or anything. It's anything we're basing our opinions on is has been publicly reported, and we're drawing our own conclusions from that. So, Pacific Division, starting with the Anaheim Ducks, a team that is drafting high yet again, pretty much still rebuilding, have a lot of cap space to play with this uh, offseason, looks like, according to capfriendly.com, around $39 million to play with, which is uh, well below the minimum they have to spend the salary cap floor. So they're going to have to make some moves this offseason, but we're not necessarily expecting them to add any one major. Yeah, they're they're, they're going to be a team that needs to get to the floor, but uh, not quite the right time for them as far as adding a big piece. Um, it, it's probably more a focus for them if they've got any veterans they want to ship out in a trade to, to go that route. Yeah, I think John Gibson's probably the number one name there. Uh, he might have even requested a trade himself, might have asked the team to look to see if there's an option where he can go to a, more of a playoff contender because, again, Anaheim's probably not looking to... Maybe they'll make a little bit of a push towards like an 8 seed, but they're definitely not a team that many people, us included, are expecting to make any noise in the Western Conference. Yeah, definitely not, and... So in, in Gibson's case, I think he definitely would prefer to go to a contender. A little concerned with his quality of play. It seems like he usually is starting uh, the season pretty strong and even gets kind of to that midway point still fairly strong, but he's been falling off at the end of seasons for really the past few years. And it could be a workload issue. Um, it could be a team issue. Uh, they haven't been very good in front of him in recent seasons. Um, but if I'm a team looking to acquire a number one goalie, uh, at least he's getting paid like a number one goalie. Slight concern there. Yeah, four years left on his contract. You would have to kind of have no one in the pipeline to me. Um, maybe someone like Pittsburgh could make a level of sense to to take him on. Um, I know Buffalo has been a popular team that's been talked about, but I don't see timeline-wise him fitting quite as well there. If they do move John Gibson, uh, they have Anthony Stolarz as a free agent that I think would be a really good idea for them to bring back as maybe a 1A to to play in tandem with uh, Lucas Dolstol and see where that kind of goes for them. Outside of goalies, they do have a nice young center in Trevor Zegras. Nice young defenseman, Jamie Drysdale, that they're hoping to kind of be the cornerstone pieces. 
drafted Mason McTavish last year, hoping to uh, add some kind of scoring punch up front, but really they just need to continue to add some kind of top-end talent both up front and on their blue line. Yeah, it's going to take a little time for Anaheim. They are, I think, rightfully choosing to go the rebuild route. Um, And yeah, they're going to keep using their high picks. Hopefully they hit on some players that become cornerstones pretty soon here. Um, But yeah, as far as this offseason goes, I think Gibson's really the big thing to watch uh, with Anaheim. There's a couple names uh, Adam Henrique and uh, Silverberg, two veterans, both have one year left. But for a team that needs to spend a little bit to get to the floor, it wouldn't shock me if those were kind of more trade deadline during the season next year. Moves that they would make then. Yeah, it's it's really keep an eye on what kind of young prospects they're able to bring in and what are they going to do with John Gibson. Yeah, so Anaheim's probably going to have. A relatively quiet offseason, unless the John unless John Gibson trade is something that uh, is bigger than expected. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, a team that seems poised now to have an incredibly busy offseason and probably be the focus of most teams around the league right now, the Calgary Flames just missed out on the playoffs this past season. Have a nice young goalie prospect in Dustin Wolf. Have another younger goalie. Dan and Dan Vodar and Jacob Markstrom as well, veteran under contract. Up front, they're they have talent. Back end, they have talent, but it seems like a lot of that talent's ready to exit. Yeah, I think some of that might be due to Goudreau leaving, to Chuck leaving. Um, as far as the talent that's looking to leave now, it's a lot of guys that are needing extensions, or eligible, at least. Um, there's uh, Backland, Hannafin, um, and then the big one is probably Elias Lindholm. I would say, arguably, their top center. You could say Kadri is up there, but I, I think Lindholm, um, if Calgary, the team, had their way, he'd be staying there on a long-term contract. Yeah, they have a couple of nice young forwards in the pipeline. I'm a big uh, Matthew Coronado fan, um, as well as Connor Zari are, are kind of nice players. Back end, Mackenzie Wieger's under a long-term contract. He's a solid defenseman, should be a potentially a cornerstone piece for them. But if they start to move some guys out, you also don't know who who's going to kind of follow in those, in those footsteps. And the interesting thing is they have a lot of talent, and a lot of those guys are on really affordable contracts for potential contenders as well. Yeah, so as far as how I think Calgary is really going to end up going about this is, sure, there's a few pretty uh, important pieces that want to leave. They've got some pretty important pieces that are most likely staying in Uberto, Uyghur, um Markstrom didn't have a great season. Hopefully he can rebound. It seems like he'll most likely stay there. Uh, A fairly underrated defenseman, Rasmus Anderson, uh, should be there for a few more years. I'm kind of thinking they may go the route of trying to retool and not completely rebuild. 
that would seem to make the most sense when you consider they will probably have Huberto, Kadri, Uyghur, who are all getting to that 30 or older age and on long-term deals. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense if they were to try to do much like they did with Kachuk last offseason and trade uh, some of their top-end guys for some really nice, um, maybe not elite talent, but high-end guys. And the issue there is you have to have a dance partner. And some of the teams that might be more interested in these top-end guys are also the ones that might be a little less willing to move NHL roster players. So maybe one or two you can kind of retool with, but it's going to be a little bit difficult to to have the top-end guys all bring back more cornerstone pieces that you can kind of retool on the fly with. Yeah, those, those type of moves don't happen very often. Um, so it, it's possible they might need to settle for some picks or some higher-end prospects, but that doesn't mean that they can't then flip some of those assets they get in return for other, we'll call them marquee players, to fairly average serviceable players that can help them stay competitive. So let's stay in the province of Alberta, Edmonton, who seems like uh, we could have recorded this any offseason, basically said the same thing with just different names. Goalie, defense, forward depth seems to be their needs yet again. Yeah, so uh, starting with the goalie, I guess, or goalies, uh, Stuart Skinner seems like he's pretty decent. I don't know if you can rely on him by himself for the whole year going all the way through the playoffs, and that wasn't even the plan to begin with. The idea was Jack Campbell was going to come in and kind of be the main guy, at least the 1A, and he did not at all look like that. Hopefully he can rebound, but I think they're concerned probably about their goalie situation. It's not ideal. Yeah, they have five, four years left for Jack Campbell at $5 million. That's with a modified no-trade clause. So he didn't seem to be up to being their 1A. Stuart Skinner clearly was the best goalie by the end of the season. I don't know if you're going to necessarily find a taker for that contract. Maybe if you can, if you are willing to keep some money on that, retain some salary, maybe someone will uh, bite to to kind of add them. But the money is, is, isn't as much of an issue as almost the four years. With a lot of teams only have, you know, carrying two goalies, it's tough to justify giving four years, having a guy for four years that you don't know really what you're getting out of him. Maybe when, what will help in Edmonton is a little bit better play in front of the goalies as well. I think adding Matias Ekholm at the deadline last year was a big help for them. Um, Evan Bouchard needs a new contract. He's got to be back. But they still probably could use a nice second-pair guy, maybe like a Radcliffe Gudis, Scott Mayfield-type player. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the concern right now, um, Cap Friendly is... Uh, got listed here just over $5 million in cap space for Edmonton. And when, when we talk about Evan Bouchard needing a new deal, he's he should be taking up that $5 million, if not more. And that kind of means they need to move around some current pieces to make room for more additions. And that can get tough because, as you mentioned, 
Edmonton needs depth, and if you need to move one player out to just sign one more player, you're not really addressing the depth issue. Um, maybe it's moving one player out to sign multiple players um, of a lesser value, each of them. What I've kind of been seeing is maybe a Cody Cece could be moved. I don't know where he would get moved to. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the player. I think he's more of a bottom pair guy, and he's making 3.25 uh, for the next two seasons. Kyler Yamamoto was uh, in the rumor mill quite a bit recently. I don't know if I would actually be interested in moving him if I'm running the team, but I do think there's a little bit of a difference in what they have been expecting from him and what he's uh, performed to as far as the basic box score stats. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be in a rush to get rid of Yamamoto either. I've seen a little buyout talk with uh, Yamamoto as well, and the one thing for the Oilers is because he's under uh, 26 years old, they would only be on uh, the hook for a third of his cap hit, so they could save some pretty significant money there. But I'd really rather try and trade him, maybe get a couple more entry-level type deals so you can take him and parlay him into maybe two, three nice depth players. I feel like that's a better uh, path for the Edmonton Oilers who need some depth, have some guys they need to re-sign. And then looking at a lot of their kind of big money guys, no movement clause, 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 no movement clause. Yeah, it's kind of hard for them to create this space. Um, so it, it is going to come down to guys like Yamamoto, Cody CC, as far as being able to give themselves a little wiggle room to add more players. And, you know, if I'm another team and I have a fairly decent amount of cap space, I look at Yamamoto and say, you know what, he can probably fit on a third line fairly well at 3.1 million. I'm good with that. But for Edmonton, it might just be keeping them from making a couple more moves for more depth. Yeah, I I would definitely be on the Yamamoto train if I was another team. If it's giving up a player that maybe is still a little bit of a question mark on an entry level, maybe a, a, a short qualifying offer or something like that, I, I definitely make the swing there. So moving uh, through the division here, the next team to talk about is the Los Angeles Kings, who I'm not sure how much they have left to do. They've already re-signed uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. They got a solid defense kind of with some prospects in the pipeline that are going to easily slot into their lineup. Their forward depth's nice. I think the big question mark here is goalie. Yeah, uh, the, there really isn't a whole lot to do in front of the goalie. The only thing I could maybe foresee is if there is someone that could be shipped out to make room for a bigger uh, goalie contract. Um, right now, the Kings, they've got about 7.3 in cap space. Um, Gabe Velarde is going to need a new deal. It's not going to break the bank necessarily, but when you're looking at $7.3 to spend, he's probably coming in at least half of that 
I think that they would be able to afford Corpus Allo, keeping him without really needing to move anyone out. I don't know if they're going to try to shoot a little higher than Corpus Allo, because I think at best he's a 1A, but more likely a 1B. So I, I could see a little movement in shipping someone out for some uh, more long-term assets that aren't really counting much against your cap right now in order to get that goalie. Yeah, I I would try and go see. I mean, they're a Stanley Cup contender. Corpus Al was fine in the regular season, but he, he didn't have it in the playoffs, and it's just been too up and down with him. And part of the reason they brought him in is because they were just had too many other goalies that they were that they didn't have confidence in up and down. So I would definitely be shooting higher. I think one interesting name, depending on how things shake out, could be uh, Linus Allmark from Boston. If uh, if Boston decides that he's the best player to ship out for some cap space, I like that fit with the LA Kings a lot. Someone like Allmark um, that would. I would assume be trading for the best goalie on the market in the 2023 offseason, assuming he is available to possibly be traded for. Um, if he's not, it's going to be a little tough as far as the UFA market. There's not a whole lot there of high-end goalie talent. You're looking at Tristan Jari, a Freddie Anderson, Guys like that are going to be more of a 1A, 1B, where if you were able to get Olmark, you might be able to, assuming he gets healthy, he he is dealing with an injury, um, he might be able to be your clear number one. Um, other guys like a Carter Hart could be a target. Connor Hellbuck as well. But I don't know if you want to roll the dice on him for just one year because the money we have him projected nine to nine and a half million, depending on how the cap shakes out on his next contract. I don't know if the LA Kings can afford that kind of going forward. So if they were to bring in a Hellebuck, it really probably is a rental. That's why I think I would lean Allmark a little bit more for them because they could probably fit his contract a little bit more easily in for a couple more years. One thing I will say about that, and I think the Kings themselves probably have a much better idea than anyone publicly right now, Anze Kopitar and his $10 million cap hit is coming off the books after this year. Depending on what an extension looks like there, maybe there's some money freed up. I, I don't think he'll be re-signing for $10 million again, but... Does he go low to $5 million? I don't know if he would do that. Um, Victor Arvidsson's deal is up. That's $4 million, $4.25. Um, there is technically space there after this coming season. But like you said, with how high of a deal we're projecting for Hellebuck at around $9 million, even if you have a lot of space... If you're a GM, you have to be asking yourself, do I want to be paying my goalie $9 million? That That's a lot to tie up into a goalie. Yeah, if you were to basically take Kopitar's cap hit and give it to Hellbuck starting next year, you're not really improving your team a lot because you have a lot of other young UFA or RFA guys, I should say, that are coming up that are going to need new contracts as well. So speaking of teams that need uh, young contracts... San Jose Sharks are 
in in rebuild mode. Let's let's not beat around the bush with that. They're it's time for them to kind of reset. They clearly didn't have it this year. They have some. They still have some nice veteran players. Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson are probably the names that could be talked about to an extent. I think some are easier to move than others. Yeah. So they haven't done anything yet, really, as far as uh, this off season. But it's pretty much expected that there's going to be a pretty big attempt to try and move Carlson. It might come down to how much money they're willing to retain on his contract. I think they should, for the right deal, be willing to do the full 50%. I don't know if that deal is going to be out there. So it might be, can they just get it down to $8 million a year for a team? And it starts to get a little more reasonable for whoever's acquiring him. Yeah, I think six to eight, if you can add him on your cap around there, depending on who you are and what situation you're in, you might feel okay. He showed a a massive rebirth this past year. So if you're a team that does need some help on the blue line, especially kind of that puck-moving type guy, Eric Carlson definitely still can play. But with the also with the recent injury history, I, personally, I don't know if I'm quite willing to roll the dice unless it's unless it's down in that probably six to eight range. That's that's me. I would prefer closer to six, but I think some teams might bite more at um, the eight million dollar range as well. Yep, yeah, I think I'm with you there. And then uh, looking at some of the other big deals, uh, staying on defense. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, I think they're just going to have to ride that deal out. Uh, $7 million for three more years, and he's not worth $7 million anymore. He's probably a, we haven't run a contract for him to see, but he's probably down in the low millions, if that. Um, so that one they're going to ride out. I'm curious about Hurdle and Couture. I think they would have to retain a little bit on Couture. He's 34, and he's got four more years left at $8 million. That's somewhat significant, and I think he's started to decline a little bit from actually being that $8 million player. The one I'm really curious about is Hurdle, because he's 29 right now. He is pretty fresh on his new long-term contract. By the time they get competitive again and are really pushing to the playoffs, he might be on the wrong end of that contract as far as performance. Teams are always looking for top six centers, and I, I think a lot of people might argue, all right, he can center your top line. I, I haven't seen anything about him being available, but I, I would just, I'd wonder. Yeah, I Hurdle's, Hurdle's tough. Um, he... Could still, yeah, his contract's definitely long enough, and that $8 million in however many years when San Jose's hopefully starting to get competitive again probably doesn't look so bad for like a middle six, a really good middle six center with the cap going up year over year. So I don't think they need to necessarily rush him out, but if he, I mean, if he asks for a trade and they can kind of work something out there, it could make sense if they can get fair compensation, but he's not someone that I'm that I think that they're going to be in a hurry to sell. They're probably going to try and get assets for Eric Carlson and then see where see where that takes them and 
start to build out their depth from there. So teams, uh, teams that are have some depth. Seattle Kraken basically uh, surprised the league this year by rolling four really good lines, no necessarily top line. And same thing on the defense is they had three pairs that were solid, no necessarily standouts, and then they got some good goaltending this year, but they're probably going to have to make some uh, decision at least who's going to back up uh, Philip Grubauer. Yeah, so uh, as far as Seattle as a whole, after that expansion draft, I think there were a lot of people, especially within the analytics community, who were kind of wondering, well, what are they doing? feel like they could have had a much better draft. And not necessarily speaking to making trades, but just who was available for them to select. Um, first year wasn't great. It wasn't awful for a first-year team. Um, definitely rebounded. And, yeah, like you said, there isn't, like, a clear top star, but they're very solid depth-wise. And that there is that big question, though. Uh, who backs up Grubauer, and honestly, so they had Martin Jones. I'm not really a huge fan of Martin Jones at this point, but I think the plus that he has going for him is he proved he can play a lot of games. Martin Jones uh, played in 48 games this past season, which you could argue that's 1A numbers as far as games. wasn't really that good. Yeah, I, I'm looking for an upgrade if I'm them. You have cap space to work with. You don't necessarily have a bad contract. Maybe your worst contract is actually the other goalie uh, with Philip Grubauer. I, I mean, you also have Chris Dreiger uh, as well that you took in the expansion drafts hanging out there. But if he couldn't kind of crack the lineup over Martin Jones this past year, I know there were some injuries and everything. But I wouldn't necessarily have confidence there. So, yeah, I would spend my money on on finding a backup goalie and then probably filling out my blue line. Yeah, I mean, at worst, I think they could find a more solid backup. I would say they could even look within the division. Um, I'm a big fan of Stolarz from Anaheim. I think he's been he, – he had a little bit of an off year this year, but he's traditionally been a pretty good backup. That would be a good fit. But assuming you're comfortable with Grubauer kind of – taking the reins and being the number one. Uh, but, but like you said, they have the cap space to work with. They, they could go after a little bit of a bigger fish. It's just how much do you want to tie up in your goaltenders cap-wise. Um, you mentioned defense. I think it's important to point out the career season that Vince Dunn had could possibly become their highest-paid player. Um, he'd have to be... 5.9 from Grubauer, and I, I think that's reasonable on a long-term deal for him. Yeah, he. I mean, he's probably the closest to their to a top uh, pair defenseman that they have. Well, he is a top pair defenseman. Whether he's uh, at a high enough level to kind of be be that cornerstone piece, I'm not so sure. You see a lot of other top teams, I think, have a little bit higher talent there. But if he's kind of your, your two on that top pair, that, that would be a great kind of one-two combo on your blue line. The issue is I don't know who's necess who they're necessarily going to be able to add to bolster that. So maybe they 
kind of stay in the let's keep the depth route this year, add a nice add a nice kind of second pair, third guy, and be able to roll three solid pairs instead of instead of that one top pair that eats a lot of minutes. Up front, uh, one of their best forwards down the stretch was someone they got for absolutely nothing, Ellie Tolvanen. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be nice that he is still under contract for 1.45 this upcoming season. Um, that's kind of what you're looking for as an expansion team. It's a little weird because it didn't happen through expansion, but he was the guy that didn't quite fit in with his previous team in Nashville. Um, even though there were kind of some underlying numbers there, I think that was showing, you know what, he's actually one of your better forwards this year. You should have kept him Nashville, but uh, found a spot in Seattle is performing well. One other forward that's kind of seems to have found a spot that I, I'll be interested to kind of follow the next uh, week or so is Daniel Sprong. He's 26 years old, arbitration eligible, restricted free agent. I'm not confident that Seattle will qualify him because he's coming off an, a career year that could lead to a pretty big award in arbitration and so far in his career, this has been really the only time that he's showing uh, what he did this year. Is this year an outlier, or did he find a good fit that he can continue things going forward? But I'm sitting here right now, and I don't, I would not be surprised if Daniel Sprong ends up on the open market. I, I will say I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, I know in past seasons. I would say I've been a fan of him as a depth addition for teams to really um, kind of take a chance on a player because he had some decent underlying numbers in past seasons. In the 2021 season, the 42 games, 20 points, not bad, 13 goals. He showed a little bit of that shot that he has. He got the opportunity in Seattle across a full season and put up 46 points in 66 games. Yeah, it kind of could make for an awkward arbitration. Do we actually qualify him and go that route? Um, maybe not. But if I'm Seattle, the the number one thing I'm trying to do there is get an extension done. Yeah, so Seattle's got uh, some not a ton of names up front, couple names on defense, but really they could roll back pretty much the same lineup maybe – maybe bring up a forward or two, uh, maybe retain all their forwards, all their defensemen, and run it back again. Team that uh, Another team in the division that's probably going to be making some significant changes, though, Vancouver. I don't necessarily know what to make of them. I look at their forwards and think, oh, that's, that's, they got some nice guys up front, some guys with some potential. I'm a big Quinn Hughes fan. Thatcher Demko, I don't know what to to make of him. He's he's been up and down, but that defense after Quinn Hughes is rough. Yeah, so they they just bought out uh, Ekman Larson, and it's understandable from a defensive standpoint. He has really started to decline, and I, I think we 
kind of knew that before the trade even happened from Arizona to Vancouver. So I, I guess getting his full cap hit off the books is good. Gives him a little more to work with. For me, Vancouver's a hard team to look at because they've got some bigger contracts. They're rumored to possibly be looking to clear some space, but I'm not overly confident in what they'll do with the space. I mean, they could really use a clear top pair partner to put with Quinn Hughes. I don't think that's really going to be out there for them. But they, they could easily sign multiple defensemen off the UFA market and I would say have a little bit more of a respectable defense. Yeah, I think the defensemen on the um, open market this, this offseason, actually there's a lot of guys that would be a good fit for them because there's a lot of second, third pair guys. But yeah, I don't know how they're bringing in that top pair guy unless they move out some big name. But I don't know who's a big enough name that's going to have enough value to fetch a true top pair defenseman. Brock Besser... Maybe, but he's not He's not going to get you a, a true number one. Elias Patterson would, but I don't know why you're moving him. And then after that, there's, there's really no forward name. You shouldn't necessarily be trading your draft pick. So I think they're going to kind of have to piece together some uh, depth guys after Quinn Hughes and hope that Hughes continues to be almost a Norris candidate. Yeah, and honestly, uh, the, the one name you didn't mention... And it, so JT Miller, he came up in the rumor mill at the deadline. I'm personally not acquiring Miller if I'm running a team. Um, but I, I think there could be teams out there. There was a GM out there supposedly um, willing to acquire him, but that GM was uh, Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh, who no longer has a job. So... We'll see if he's available and if he is, if it amounts to anything. But yeah, like you said, there's not a clear-cut tradable piece to bring in that number one. But yeah, I, I'd look at the UFA market. Uh, there's there's some decent, I'll, I'll call them second pair guys. Um, and honestly, this is maybe a good opportunity for a defenseman to play alongside a up-and-coming star in Quinn Hughes. Yeah, we certainly got enough uh, tweets about Carson Soucy to uh, at AFP Analytics account that, uh, yeah, Vancouver fans seem to want Carson Soucy and th- seem to think that we have him projected for an absolute steal of the contract. So, hey, if all the power to them if they can uh, get him, but I think spending much more than 2.5 to $3 million on a Carson Soucy's just adding to your cap struggles. So let's transition to the last team with the, you know, cap struggles in that division. But their cap struggles are good cap struggles. It's the Golden Knights, the Stanley Cup champions. Really, I mean, they just won a Stanley Cup, so how many holes can they have? Uh, we'll go through them quickly, but, I mean, they're, they're the best team in the league. They proved it. I don't know how much more they necessarily need. I think the big question with them is their goaltending I don't know if I'm comfortable, he, I haven't heard enough, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying that Robin Leonard's not playing again, seems like a possibility, but I think that's the first kind of question that needs answers. Yeah, so there's the Robin Leonard question, I don't know um, 
really what to make of their goalie situation in general. Um, Logan Thompson seemed to be a pretty good goalie, but he had gotten hurt, and uh, Aiden Hill obviously took over the playoffs and is someone I think they'd be interested in keeping. I don't know if financially it's something that they'll for sure be able to do. Maybe they need to move out a player to create a little space. But right now, just listed, they've got Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois, Aiden Hill, Jonathan Quick. Um, Brassois and Quick, I think, are more obvious backup players at this point. Thompson, I would assume, is one of their goalies next year. It's figuring out who is the second goalie. Not necessarily the backup, but just who is the second goalie in the room. Yeah, that's that's I Thompson was was really good. As long as he can bounce back from his injury, I I would have no problems rolling him out there as one of your goalies. Again, it's it's the Robin Leonard question. Is he going to is he gonna be healthy enough? If he's not, well then you have his cap hit to work with as far as cap space goes, which re- really will allow you to pay Aiden Hill and probably you leave you enough space to take care of Brett Howden, who um, seems to be much like Chandler Stevenson and just finding his uh, place with the Vegas Golden Knights. It probably comes down to, for Vegas, a question of Hill or Ivan Barbashev, and I think Barbashev's more of the luxury and Hill's more of the necessity. I definitely agree with that. I think they need to solidify their goaltending. The one thing I've sort of seen that could be a huge wild card and any division rival fans would just hate this happening, but it has been reported a bit that Mark Stone's injury is not necessarily one that is going to go away. Um, He can get surgeries, sort of fix it, for the time being, but it could be kind of a nagging injury for the rest of his career. And if that means he's on LTIR for decent chunks of the season or the whole season again at some point, that's a lot of cap space to work with, 9.5. Now, I I don't know that that's going to be the case by any means, but that is also, I think, a big wild card as far as how Vegas is going to be building out their team. If he's hurt again, that allows them to add possibly a significant piece or keep Barbashev, keep Hill, maybe even add another piece on top of that. But And again, I, I don't know if that's something that even will come to fruition. He may be good to go, but it's something to watch for. Yeah, it's either he, I think it either comes down to yeah, his career would be unfortunately over if he's continuing being put on LTIR and then coming back for the playoffs. I think that's going to start raising some questions. So, I don't think that Vegas necessarily can work with that can plan to work with that cap space at least. Maybe again at the deadline they're able to use it, but I think in the offseason it's too hard for them to work and you don't necessarily want to be planning on putting two guys on long-term injured reserve in the offseason. You kind of want to wait till the season starts to take full advantage of the cap space they're going to provide. So that's kind of a look at the Pacific Division. Uh, if you want have any questions, got your thoughts, feel free to share them with us at AFP Analytics on Twitter, at MaxTermPod. 
We appreciate you subscribing to our to the podcast on any of the major platforms you may consume this on. And next up, we'll talk about the Central, kind of finish up the Western Conference, and uh, we'll talk to you then.